0: Ramble.
1: To be completely transparent with you, I am still at that stage in my life where if you tell me, Hey, something's going to make you feel better or something's going to make your skin clear, I'll probably be like, give me the clear skin. But growing up is realizing that you can have both. And I have made it a habit to implement things in my life that let me have both. Did you know that your gut health really impacts your skin health and not just skin? Apparently your gut health can impact your immune system, your energy levels, even your mental health. That is why I've now added my favorite probiotic, for from Symbiotica to my morning routine. It sounds weird to say, but Symbiotica's health supplements are now part of my skincare routine almost. If you guys don't know, Symbiotica is a supplement company that only uses clean premium ingredients in its formulas. No seed oils, no fillers, no additives, no natural flavors and no artificial ingredients. Symbiotica also formulates all of their supplements for optimal absorption. For example, I love their vitamin C so much, which is also really good for your skin. If you didn't know, everybody loves it. I mean, it's probably the most popular vitamin C amongst all of my friends and family. We love symbiotica. Their vitamin C is formulated with liposomal technology, which basically means the vitamin C is delivered to the part of your digestive tract where it can be optimally absorbed. And I just love throwing one in my bag on the go, especially when I'm traveling. Symbiotica makes it so easy to stick to a routine, not just because of their supplements being great and tasting great and making me feel great, but also because they get delivered monthly. That means I never have to worry about refilling my supplements or running out and it's just so easy to pause a delivery or add a new supplement to my delivery. With Symbiotica, I've really noticed an improvement in my skin health, but also I feel like I have more energy and mental clarity. Symbiotica has countless high quality supplements that you can choose from. Sleep supplements, cognitive supplements, anti-aging supplements. If you're not sure which supplements would be best for your specific needs, you can do a short quiz on Symbiotica's website and they'll recommend what you could benefit from. This year is your year. Are you ready to feel the results? Head over to symbiotica.com and use code rotten for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. That's symbiotica.com and use code rotten.
0: Bada bing, bada boo.
1: Welcome to this week's mini-sode of Rotten Mango. I'm your host Stephanie Sue. Do you remember what you were doing May 2021?
0: May 2021, that was uh, a year ago.
1: Yes, what were you doing exactly a year ago?
0: Probably at this time taking a shower. (laughs)
1: it's all a blur right that's the appropriate answer probably still some form of lockdown was taking place maybe you're still working from home maybe you you're sanitizing every single thing that you get from the grocery store still remember those days yep well in south korea there were lines out of the grocery store out of the convenience store lines of well-to-do, nice families who either knew someone who had gotten COVID or had died from COVID. They were scared. They were willing to do anything to try and mitigate the virus from taking their loved ones. They had read that one of the largest companies in South Korea, one of the biggest in the dairy sector, had just released a statement Namyang Dairy has become the first firm in the country that has discovered fermented dairy products are effective in preventing COVID-19 viruses. Our experiments show that Bulgaris, our brand of yogurt, helped remove influenza A, H1N1 virus at a 77.8% success rate.
0: What is it, yogurt?
1: Yeah, just like Greek yogurt.
0: It kills COVID-19?
1: Yeah, that's what they said. This massive company said that this is one of the biggest companies in South Korea. They came out with this news report. They said the given experiment was conducted by pouring the yogurt drink on monkey lung cells. I don't know about you, but I'm usually not pouring yogurt into my lungs. (laughs) I don't know how that works, okay? It wasn't a lot of hope, but it was something. And for people who were just told to sit at home, just hope for the best, they wanted to do whatever they could. Sometimes it just felt good to be proactive. So they lined up outside the stores trying to buy as much of the yogurt as possible. The company's shares spiked as high as 30%. The Bulgaris drinks sold out in retail stores across the country. It was a scandal that would send Namyang's Dairy CEO over the edge. It had been A rough couple of years for this guy, the CEO, there were two suspicious suicides linked to the family, multiple arrests, leaked recordings of his family members, leaked recordings of his employees, and even a connection to one of the biggest sex scandals in South Korea, the burning sun. Do you remember that one? Some of the nation's biggest, most beloved K-pop stars were caught sharing videos of themselves assaulting unconscious women. There was a club named The Burning Sun where K-pop idols would bring foreign investors. They would have bartenders drug random girls at the bar so that these random club goers that just came here to spend money, to have fun, they would be dragged into the VIP rooms to be raped. They would literally, the VIP clients, they would literally look out into the crowd, pick a pretty girl, have her drink drugged by the staff so that they could take advantage of her. A lot of the times the rapes were recorded and circulated amongst group chats. You're like, okay, wait, what? How on earth is this dairy company and COVID-19 and the burning sun all freaking connected? All because of one girl named Hannah Huang. As always, full show notes are available at rottenmanglepodcast.com, But this is another Korean case. I really want to shed more light on Asian cases, and it's been a bit hard to do with the translation. I hope you guys are enjoying it, though. You're like, wait, aren't you Korean, though? Yeah, I'm not a good one. For some reason, I I can speak it, but I don't trust myself enough to gather all the research for it. So thankfully, I had a ton of articles professionally translated. I had my sister help me with a ton of the research. And hopefully, I've compiled everything in like a clear, concise way. Let me know if anything was lost in translation or if you know anything additional. This case is crazy. So as I mentioned in the last main episode, I was going to talk more about Tibor. Well, it's happening. Let's talk about it. A more direct translation of this word. It's actually pronounced if you're Korean, it's tibar, Because we don't, we don't do the C-H, it's a J sound. 재벌. The direct translation is either a rich clan or the wealth group. And it's not just anybody that's wealthy and has power and influence. It's a bit of a different level. In fact, there's only about two dozen families in South Korea that are known to be tibars on this level. A lot of citizens believe that South Korea has become a playground for chebars. That's it. Chaebol families, they control everything. They have the last say. They're the first to eat. I mean, it's just the way it is, to put it in perspective, right? America has a ton of family businesses, and there's obviously nepotism. If I'm Mark Zuckerberg, I'm totally going to call up my best friend. Does the guy have friends? I don't know. I'm going to call up my best friend, let's say, runs... ABC company. I'm going to be like, Hey, can you give my kid a job? Right? It's kind of like that. But in Korea, it's a little bit different, but also the same, like the same end result happens, but different methods. Like I mentioned before in the United States, there's lobbying, there's bribery, there's insider trading, secret deals. There's political campaigns and propaganda. The rich and the powerful families are above the law here, but it's almost kind of done in secret. We're so busy focused on All of these other things that we don't really i mean sure we've heard of bill gates we've heard of elon musk but do people really focus on the sackler family or the mars family we don't really hear that much about the walton family these are three of the most powerful families in america it's almost done behind doors we're so busy focused on all these other billionaires meanwhile in korea it's it's pretty in your face Honestly, I don't know what's worse. In Your Face obviously causes rage. It's so arrogant. But sometimes the secrecy can be much more venomous. Mm. So it's kind of up for debate. Now, anyway, a lot of the largest conglomerates in South Korea are family founded, family run. So imagine the founders of Google They just keep passing down the company and the CEO positions to their kids. Sundar Pichai would never become CEO because his parents were not the CEOs. His grandpa wasn't the founder. It wouldn't matter how hard he worked, his great ideas, his business acumen. Nothing would matter. He would not be the CEO because he wasn't related to the founders. Mm -hmm. That's it. Point blank. And it's like that in Korea for the top companies like Samsung, LG, Hyundai, and SK Group, those four. It is four, like
0: that, or it's not like that.
1: It is. You it's just it, you go. It goes to your kid.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah.
1: Which yeah. would be kind of unheard of in the United States. It sounds more like a smaller, yeah. mid-sized business type.
0: Yeah, because I mean, US it's a public company, yeah. so you know you have to vote on it. You have to, you know, everybody has to agree this is the next CEO. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, Samsung, LG, Hyundai, SK Group. These are actually the four Tibars that account for nearly half the income of all the Tibars. Like, these are the top four
0: Samsung, LG, Hyundai, Hyundai, yeah. and SK Group.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I know, I'm like really, if there's a Korean out there, they're like Samsung, Hyundai, Hyundai. You know, but I'm like, Samsung, LG, Hyundai. (laughs) I'm so sorry, mom. (laughs) Which, like I said, there's about two dozen chaebol families in Korea, at least the well-known ones. So that's, that's a pretty, these four are the most powerful. I mean, truly, if you're not born into it, you do not get a seat at the table. It's simple as that. K-dramas like to call chaebol families this word a lot. And it's true. They call them the untouchables of South Korea. And a lot of K-dramas will actually somewhat romanticize it. I feel like these days, the more woke dramas, they will have, you know, the dark side, the mistresses, the cheating, the the family feuds. But a lot of it still centers around you have a rich heir that was born into a family like this. And of course, he's six feet tall and handsome. He is spoiled rotten, probably a big douche. And then this nice, poor little girl falls in love with him. And now the rich heirs family tries to pay her off. So she won't marry into the family because Hmm. they need to. If I'm Samsung, you need to go marry freaking the daughter of the minister of transport. I think that's who one of them married. You need to go marry like a government official's kid or like another rich person's kid. You need to go marry Amore Pacific's daughter. It's like that, right? But instead, he's just in love with her for some reason. He's kind of a douchebag to her, but still likes her. And he, the character development plot where he humbles himself. He even gives up his entire inheritance to be with this, oh, poor girl. But in the end, the poor girl becomes the wife to the next CEO. It's like, wow, what an amazing rags-to-riches moment. But the companies, these families, they're so vital to the economy of South Korea that they're almost always above the law. They're almost always above the government. And it's almost this feeling of betrayal for South Korean citizens. The sentiment is that most Koreans are so proud of these big brands. They're so proud. Korean-made, Korean-funded, Korean-operated. They're so proud of all of this. They will study their asses off for a chance to be qualified to work for one of these companies. The top three conglomerates, I mean, kids will dedicate their entire studies just to start at an entry level at one of these companies. They will put in the work. They'll work overtime to the point of being overworked. They will do this willingly and happily, obviously for a paycheck, but still you get the idea. But the conglomerates are not holding up their end of the deal. You're like, what do you mean? Well, it's not a simple problem. You're like, okay, if something happens, just boycott the Chibar family if they have a scandal. But they probably won't feel the pain. The regular people working at the bottom, the ones that have to work to pay for rent and put food on the table for their families, they're going to feel the pain of the boycott before it ever reaches the top. That's the problem. So let me give you an example. Have you heard of the Korean Air Nut Rage Incident?
0: Korean Air. Uh, It's
1: exactly what you imagine. The Nutrage Scandal. Yeah. The largest airline in South Korea owned by the powerful Cho family behind Hanjin Conglomerate. Korean Air was actually a government-owned airline. Hanjin bought it from the government, which is why they have the ability to have Korean Air in their name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They went private with the acquisition by Hanjin Group owned by the Cho family. And this is not a small group. Hanjin Group was formed around World War II. And even before acquiring Korean Air, the conglomerate had started and their biggest customer early on was the U.S. Army. So Hanjin Group was transporting material for the U.S. Army from the United States to Korea and to Vietnam. Hanjin Group obviously did really well that they went on to sign another U.S. Army deal and deals with the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Air Force. Listen, Military deals are a whole nother level of money, a whole nother level of funding. Then the group went into business with the Middle East and proceeded to make even more shit ton of money there. I mean, they were really, they were doing a lot. That's how they were able to acquire Korean Air. And yeah, Korean Air going private added immense growth. And the current CEO is the third family member to be CEO of Korean Air. All the vice presidents, all of the major executives are typically Cho family members. If not, Cho married members. They marry into the family. That's
0: crazy. I mean, how how do you ensure the company is running by the most talented people? If you just all you do is I mean, it's every position not. is owned by the family. So yeah, that's so interesting. And
1: what is the incentive for a talent to really exactly you know put in their heart and soul exactly? So let me take you to December twenty fourteen. Heather Cho or. She was the daughter of the former CEO of Korean Air. And I'm assuming the current CEO is her brother. But anyway, Mm -hmm. you get the idea. Heather boards a flight from JFK in New York City to Incheon in Seoul. The plane is taxiing away from the gate getting ready to take off you know how they like get in line yeah it's just kind of funny when you think of planes standing in line right she's obviously in first class so she's typically getting served a bunch of things before they take off and the nice flight attendant decides to pass around some macadamia nuts it has
0: gotta be like <coughs> the most stressful flight those flight <laughs> attendants Cause isn't Korean air always, uh, they, they do more than other airlines, right?
1: Korean air. Listen, <laughs> we have a friend who worked for Korean air briefly as a flight attendant. It is some of the most strictest standards to become a basic level, entry level flight attendant. And 90% of those standards are on your looks and your manners. Yeah. Like you have to be everybody's ba- to be a flight attendant on Korean Air.
0: Yeah, exactly. So now imagine you're serving... Oh my gosh. ...the CEO's sister. Yeah. Who's also known as a bitch.
1: Yeah. And like, I really hate to say this, but have you guys been on a Korean Air flight? It's like a world Uh of a difference. Listen, I love my Delta flights, okay? I be on Delta and they be yelling at me in economy. I don't know. It's like really aggressive. They're like yelling the safety rules. Korean Air, you get on an economy seat... They're so nice. I feel like a princess. It's crazy. It is crazy. I'm not justifying their actions, by the way. I'm just saying these flight attendants work so hard. So this nice flight attendant decides to pass around some macadamia nuts. He places a bag of nuts on Heather's tray. And I'm sure he did it eloquently, beautifully, with a, with a deep bow while he did it. And that's not sarcasm. I'm telling you, the service really do be like that. They'd be bowing to anybody and everyone. They're so respectful. But Heather is looking. At her little bag of macadamia nuts. She's thinking, what the actual fuck? Why are they not in a little porcelain bowl? She's upset. She allegedly starts abusing the flight attendant, verbally abusing. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you an idiot? You know, saying just some of the most disgust in front of other first class passengers who probably know that this is Heather Cho of Korean Air. Discussing him. Get your boss over here. So she gets the chief crew captain to come and it's alleged that she forces the chief of the crew to kneel down in the aisle of first class and beg for her forgiveness. She allegedly smacks his hands over and over again with a tablet and then dismissed him. Not from the aisle, though, but like off the plane But they're taxiing to take off. Meaning they had to go back to the airport gate so that she could throw these two off the plane.
0: What an embarrassment. Yeah, to Korea too. We Exactly. All
1: Koreans were so upset because like, first of all, why are you doing this at JFK? What's wrong with you? This is, imagine being on a Delta flight at JFK and the whole schedule is getting fed up and the captain comes on and is like, "Um, this lady wanted her nuts in a bowl. Just hold on everyone.
0: So like the daughter of the Korean ear, (laughs) she's throwing a tantrum like (laughs) in the other lane. Like she won't even get in the line.
1: This is a lot of tea. I think they've already posted TikTok videos. I wouldn't even believe you. I would think someone probably had a medical emergency or maybe the plane is having technical difficulties but it gets worse allegedly the chief of the the crew was pressured by the executives of Korean Air to keep quiet about the whole incident and he was going to till heather allegedly started going around spreading rumors that he was sleeping with flight attendants in particular the flight attendant that served the nuts in a bag and not in a bowl So he starts feeling cornered, like, whoa, this is my job. Like, I'm going to lose my livelihood. No other airline would ever hire me. You're blacklisting me. So he felt cornered and he went public with the situation. And at first, Korean Air apologized, but kind of um, threw in. But Heather was just doing her job, you guys. She was supposed to inspect the in-flight services and airplane safety. That's her job as vice president. Which this excuse was five different levels of stupid because back then I guess Korean air would serve nuts in these porcelain bowls for first class, but the airlines changed their policy probably due to potential nut allergies. The flight attendants did what the company and what the law told them to do, which is you serve nuts in a sealed bag. So this flight attendant got fired verbally and allegedly physically assaulted because the vice president of the airline had no idea that the rules had changed and that the laws had changed. Because I don't know, maybe she's not the most qualified for the job. Had anybody thought about that? But that's not even the end of the scandal. They fire the flight attendant that served the nuts in the bag. And when the story went public, they called him nonstop, pressuring him to tell the South Korean transport authorities that he voluntarily resigned. Other flight attendants were pressured by executives to delete their recordings of proof of the nut rage incident. The executives were also allegedly coaching them to downplay the incident to make it seem like it was blown out of proportion for media value. But a lot of the first class passengers who have nothing to do with Korean air that spend a pretty penny on their international first class ticket came forward describing the incident and it matched the victim's stories. They literally begged for forgiveness while being verbally abused, having nuts thrown at them, and essentially physically assaulted at one point. What's wild is that the team that was investigating the incident was supposed to work for the government, yeah, but two members of the investigative team were former Korean Air executives, not like high up, but had like managerial positions. So the whole thing just felt shady. The flight attendant refused to talk to them. They're like, you're acting like you're investigating this, but I don't trust you. I don't trust this as much as I don't trust an internal investigation, okay? So he's immediately talking to the media instead. And this is obviously not a big part of the abuse, but just kind of how the company, I guess, handles things. It's kind of funny, the reaction. There was a first-class passenger who reached out to the company, outraged. She's like, customer service? Listen, I paid a pretty penny for this ticket. I thought I was gonna enjoy my first-class ticket, and I saw this traumatic, horrendous display of power and abuse, and as an apology, Korean Air sent her a model airplane toy and a calendar in the mail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that <laughs> is, that is, um...
1: So that's how they <laughs> handle even their VIP first class ticket passengers. <laughs> just think about what they'll think of you if you were in economy complaining about anything. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
0: Let me send you a merch.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it's like probably one of those cheap calendars and it's just pictures of their boeing fleet (laughs) you're like what (laughs) it just adds to the whole what the forkness of the situation and because of the nut rage incident it shed light on a previous incident that heather had on a different flight the year before allegedly she was on a flight and threw a fit because she was improperly served ramen noodles yeah she asked for ramen noodles and i guess maybe they didn't plate it correctly and she threw like the biggest fit in the world Heather Cho was forced to resign as vice president of Korean Air. Now, before you feel bad for her, she kept all of her shares and her position as chairperson of Korean Air was kept. She is still president of KAL Hotel Network, which is owned by Korean Air, and Hanjin Tour, which is owned by Hanjin Conglomerate that owns Korean Air. Here's an odd aftermath, though. Macadamia nut sales in South Korea rose by 250% after the incident so that's weird isn't that weird yeah but now it makes me want to eat macadamia nuts in a porcelain bowl i'm like what am i missing out on
0: what is macadamia nuts
1: (laughs) i don't know i've only had it covered in chocolate (laughs) (laughs) i don't know she must have gotten it from somewhere right is heather cho really just like a third generation privileged little kid well her mom had hit the news before Her mom, Heather's mom, the matriarch of the Korean air dynasty, she was exposed for forcing an employee to kneel in front of her and slap that employee's face side to side because they forgot to buy ginger from the grocery store. Ginger. She drenched her water. She drenched her driver with water for driving too slowly. And allegedly she smacked employees in the forehead with a mop handle for no reason. She would spit on you for being late and she would also kick you for being late if you were super late. She allegedly was pissed at her gardener for not taking care of the weeds like she wanted, so she threw his metal shears at him. And when he climbed on top of a 10-foot ladder, she kicked it out from under him, so he fell and hurt his knees. Allegedly, she went to work And these two staff members, I guess, were pissing her off. She threw a ceramic vase at their faces. And allegedly, when the vase did not break, she was so embarrassed. She screamed at them. You bastard sons of bitches, bring me the fucking vase. And she threw it again at their faces, making sure it broke. Jeez. There's this one video that was released to the public where she's yelling at a bunch of employees and they're all standing with their heads lowered. I mean, I really only... Taken this position when I used to be religious and I would pray, like truly lowered head in front of someone, as if you're in front of God on judgment day. It's a weird workplace environment, that's for sure. She pulls one by the arms and pushes her around, grabs a stack of documents and just throws them on the ground while yelling. A flight attendant that served the matriarch of the family has come out and said Oh yeah, she's worse than how you guys are describing her. You wonder almost how someone like her can even exist in this world. It's beyond your imagination. Now, according to this flight attendant, I don't know if it's true, but employees are told if you're ever hit by the family, just pretend it didn't happen. Don't act shocked. It'll only piss them off more. He said it's like becoming voluntary slaves in this type of environment. Abuse should be taken happily because loyalty to the family is the most important thing. The only thing you're rewarded for is loyalty to the family. And you're not going to be rewarded well because money is money and they want to keep all the money. You're going to be rewarded by not being smacked around. Allegedly, the dad is probably the same, if not worse. Um, If you said anything that pissed him off, such as, hey, profits are down just the reality of things. He would just say, who the fuck are you? Make this manager a regular and walk away.
0: What does that mean, regular?
1: Like you're a regular entry-level employee now, even though you oh, just demoted. worked 10 years to become a manager and you say one thing in front of the CEO, and he looks at you, looks at his assistant and says, make this manager a regular. Like what? The mom has denied the charges against her, but after her daughter's nut rage incident, it's hard to believe that this isn't true. And even the other daughter, Emily Cho, Heather's sister, she was publicly shamed and forced to lose her position because she threw water bottles at employees' faces during a business meeting.
0: Jesus, so it's a whole family as a bunch of yeah, they raging probably kids.
1: One of the worst. To our families or at least publicly that we know of they have the worst public approval rating not that they care <laughs> So, uh, she apologized by basically saying oops. Sorry. That's a bit foolish. Wasn't it? Allegedly She also kicked her chauffeur a lot for not loading her luggage into the car fast enough Like just imagine standing there there watching this man load your luggage and just kicking him I can't even imagine a kid doing that if if three-year-old Sophie did that i'd be so embarrassed so this incident was kind of the first time a lot of foreigners were exposed to the power trips of Tebars. And that's what's crazy is that the Tebars weren't even self-made. The Tebars were government made, government funded. The government created them. They pet them when they were good. They praise them. They prop them up. And now the companies have become so powerful that the government shakes in their presence. Like the tides of power have changed. It's really? like you were feeding a lion, nursing it to health, and now you're the lion's bitch. That's what's going on with the Korean government. The majority of Tibar families rose from the ashes of the Korean War. After the war ended, the government was trying to rapidly rebuild the country. So they're just giving out super cheap loans to businessmen, but they had to prove that they already had money and funds. So these, these are not going to small businesses. These are going to the ones like already wealthy families, already prominent families. They were stealing practically all the money that the government was giving out. So they were getting so much help at low interest rates, practically no interest rates. They had so many different forgiveness programs for if you couldn't make back your loans. And really only a handful of them were getting this government attention. And their businesses boomed in success. The government helped these South Korean companies like Samsung, LG, you know, SK Group, all of them, by making sure foreign businesses that were trying to enter the South Korean market were not going to get ahead of them. The government even cracked down on labor strikes of the workers so that these companies could expand their businesses. And it's a double-edged sword because the companies played a major role in South Korea's rise as an industrial giant. But now, in a lot of people's eyes, they're out of control.
0: Too big to fail.
1: Yes. Some of these companies control nearly two-thirds of the entire market share of South Korean manufacturing. And that's a statistic from the 90s. It's probably much worse now. So anyways, incident like these really helped popularize the word 갑질, which is an expression in Korean for when someone who has power, money, and authority is arrogant, power trips, and disrespectful to the people that are socioeconomically before them. Kap means superior status, and 질 is kind of like an expression of like negative actions, like negative things you're doing. So now that we've heard of that, let's talk about one of the most annoying 재벌 families. <laughs> Have you heard of Namyang Dairy? If you've ever been to an Asian market or to Korea, you've probably passed by a ton of their products. They're a massive dairy company that makes milk, instant coffees, infant formula, instant beverages, juices like yogurt drinks like Yagrotu, soybean milk. They're they're giants in the industry. They have an annual sales of 540 million. And at one point, they had an astonishing 43% market share. Wow. This is a big cow of a business. They're really moving products and numbers. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) He said, okay, that was a bad one. (laughs) It said, and I don't know if this is true because I haven't actually personally interviewed the babies myself, but it said that one in every two babies in South Korea drinks Namyang instant formula. My mom grew up drinking Namyang products. It's mm. crazy, but it's not the only thing the company does. Namyang has subsidiaries that focus on catering, real estate, and that's just to name a few. I mean, it's a big, big business empire conglomerate with milk at the center. Or I mean, I guess at the center is the incredibly scandalous Hong Tibar Royal Family. Let me explain. Namyang Dairy was founded in the 60s, around the same time as the rest of the big conglomerates were founded. It was founded by a man by the name of Hong Tuyang. And he was the CEO. He built the business. And afterwards, he looks at his three sons. He picks the best one to take his spot. Now, I don't know what he uses to define best. Like, is this son the smartest, the most productive? Definitely not the nicest. You'll see why. Because as CEO, he managed, the son, manages to get caught for tax evasion, for owning stock under fake borrowed names. So yeah, like the daddy of white collar crimes. And for that, he keeps his position, gets no jail time, and is given a $1.5 million fine. Sure, sounds like a lot of money. But this guy has a net worth of over $250 million. This is a Mm -hmm. drop in the bucket. So, I mean, truly, this was a slap on the wrist. Now, before we get into the case, let me give you a look into the family tree of the Hong Dynasty. Because, I mean, that's what they really are, a rotten milk dynasty. I want to call them cash cows, but that seems a little mean, (laughs) okay? Okay. To the cows so the founder had three sons and two daughters one of his sons Hong one she takes over the business his other two sons work high level positions that were essentially gifted to them one of them is the ceo of seoul communications the other one runs a number of upscale italian restaurants and the two daughters no job in the business i mean they get shares of namyang dairy but they don't get a position they don't get an executive title so they have money but they don't really have a job. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. The, it, it's the best. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> better. It's super old school. I mean, even Samsung, the king of Tibars, they let their daughters and wives have powerful positions. Thank you so much, Samsung, <laughs> for like letting equality exist. So the Namyang Dairy is not like that. They're like, nope, you're a girl. You don't get a say. So one of the daughters of the founders goes on to get married, lives a normal rich life. Honestly, other Tibars might have been jealous. I, I might even suspect some Samsung kids might have been jealous. Because, you know, the daughters, they, they only had to have fun. They didn't feel the pressure that they had to outsmart their brothers. Like, I'm sure a lot of the women in Tibar families, not only do they have to perform well, they have to perform even better to make up for the fact that they're a girl, to prove themselves Not that I'm young girls, they could just live what normal, obscenely rich people do. Spend money like it's nothing. And that's the life that Huang Hanna was born into. So I know it's confusing because they're all related. But she is the granddaughter of the founder of Namyang Milk Company. But now the new CEO is her uncle. So she's the niece to the new CEO. And her mom has a bunch of shares in Namyang because she's Mm -hmm. the daughter of the founder. Mm -hmm. So anyway, when she's born, her grandpa is still the CEO. And he spoils the shit out of her. I mean, she was the only granddaughter. It was said that she was always very cute and polite and pretty. So she just knew how to win her grandpa's love. She had this big, big personality. And he she probably thought she was this breath of fresh air. But as she grows older and older, she kind of starts heading down a different path. I'm the type of person who's hyper aware of what I put in my body. I have a lot of food intolerances, and it feels like every year I discover new ones. If you have allergies or IBS, or you choose to avoid certain foods for personal reasons, you know the food FOMO is real, and it's just not fun. A month ago, we went to Jeju Island, which is famous for pork, but because I'm allergic, I was just standing there watching everyone gobble up the food. And recently, I almost gave up morning coffee because I'm so sensitive to dairy these days, and black coffee just does not hit the spot. Thankfully, I found out about minor figures, and now I don't have to start my days on a bitter. Note. Literally, Minor Figures is an oat milk brand. They're 100% plant based, carbon neutral, and B Corp certified. So not only do I get to enjoy my coffee, but I don't have to worry about anything irritating my stomach. There are no stabilizers or additives. And what I love is that Minor Figures Barista Oat really helps showcase the natural characteristics of the coffee. It's not just there to carry the coffee flavor, but it enhances it. So you know how at home coffee never hits the spot like coffee shop coffee? With Minor Figures, it does. You can really taste the coffee versus the oat milk. It's delicious. You can buy their products online at us.minorfigures.com. You can also discover fun games, music playlists, and explore their store locator to see where you can buy Minor Figures near you. For my listeners in Denver and New York, Minor Figures is also now available at Whole Foods. My dogs will eat anything. I mean, I have two Frenchies and it's a daily struggle to keep them from trying to eat toilet paper, bees, even trash. My dogs have no idea what's good for them. And you know, that's okay. Cause their job is to be cute. My job is to take care of them to the best of my ability. That is why I only buy the farmer's dog dog food. Think about it. Most dog foods claims it's made out of whole ingredients, but then why does it come in the form of these very crusty pellets? But dogs will eat anything you give them, even dry kibble. Most dog food claims that they're made out of whole ingredients, but when I stare at these dry kibbles, it's very hard for me to see the whole ingredients, and I always had to mix in bone broth or water because it would be so dry that my dogs would eat too quickly and they would hack it up. It just didn't look tasty. The farmer's dog believes that all dogs deserve to eat real, fresh food. That's why Farmer's Dog Dog Food is made from whole wheat and veggies and gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve nutritional value. It makes me feel so good seeing my dog's little tails wagging. Sometimes Mango's entire butt will shake when it's time for their dinner because they know and I know that they're eating fresh, healthy food. It genuinely looks like human food. I've noticed such an improvement in how shiny and soft their coat is and their breath doesn't teleport me into another dimension anymore. I can see the veggies in their food. I mean, My dog always gains a little bit of weight this time last year just because they move around less when it gets a little bit colder. So I feel like it's very important to always watch portions in the winter months. The farmer's dog makes it easy to monitor my dog's portions. Our dog's meals arrive in pre-portioned, ready-to-serve packs, which is super convenient. All you need to do is tell the farmer's dog about your puppy or your dog, and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. And you can adjust the recipe selection, portion sizes, and delivery cadence according to your needs and schedule. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com farmersdog.com/ mango. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com farmersdog.com/ mango. Now, we've talked about the Korean air tibbers and their antics. So I'm not saying tibbers are amazing people. But other than Korean air, like... You know, I feel like we're inclined to shit on the Samsung family because they're the biggest. But typically their scandals are like white collar crime scandals, which are still bad. But you don't have these acts of arrogance come out from those families as often. They seem more um, typically in line with their family. They're pretty smart. They don't. Outwardly party. They don't really do social media unless it's from a PR standpoint. They live very company driven lives. So it's almost like these private people who we don't really get to see an inside look at. But Hannah, she's like, no, 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 no. I want everyone to know that I'm the milk princess, that I'm the granddaughter of Namyang Dairy, and I want them to know that I'm rich. So she just starts going down the road of rebellion. And I think it all started because Hannah's mom had a baby boy. Now, you would think that having a younger brother would bring some happiness to her life. But the minute that he was born, she was cold rice. She was a day-old milk. Someone needs to get these jokes because I thought they were really good. (laughs) Nobody wanted her. I mean, Hannah's mom wasn't allowed a seat at the table since she was a woman. But now by having a son, he's still related to the founder and he could potentially grow up and have a seat at the table. So she just kind of tossed Hannah to the side and showered all her love onto this baby boy. Hannah went from being a spoiled little granddaughter to kind of an invisible girl who was still spoiled. Don't get me wrong. It sounds like one of those sad movie tropes. But a lot of people said that Hannah really only saw her parents whenever she got in trouble. The parents would be called for parent-teacher conferences. And that was the only time that they showed up. So of course, if she's being rewarded in some way, she might keep doing it. It said that crying children get milk. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now it only gets worse. One time, Hannah was live streaming and she asked her followers on social media which I couldn't find the exact follower count, but I think that she did have quite a bit of attention online. I think it's cool to see the rich, lavish lives of nepotism babies. I mean, that's why people watch like Rich Kids of Beverly Hills, right? Or even like Bling Empire. That's what it is. And it's, she's honestly very pretty on the outside. So anyway, she's live streaming and asking everyone, look, my boobs are super pretty, right? Anyone who has ever seen my boobs like, you know, without clothes on, they said that they were the most beautiful boobs that they've ever seen. <sighs> I want to show you guys my boobs, but I'm worried that the platform is going to take me down. I want to show them to you because my boobs are actually fake. I bought them. Now, in conservative uh, yeah, in conservative South Korea, coming from the granddaughter of Namyang Dairy Company, viewers were fucking speechless. Like, this was going to make the news. <laughs> And Hannah's mom was so pissed when she found out. She started cursing her out. You're a shame to the family. Look at everything you've done. Get out of here. That's it. I'm sending to the U.S. to study. I can't do this anymore. Her parents even told her siblings, don't contact your sister, Hannah. She's a freak. I don't know what's wrong with her. Hannah gets shipped off to the U.S., still loaded. Like, they're not cutting her off or anything. And she's not really learning anything from being in the U.S. If anything, she's in L.A. where things are a bit more wild. She graduates college and most of her energy was spent on partying. And in 2011, everything comes crashing down because Hannah is deported from Los Angeles back to Korea for drug usage. Can I just say, in LA, you really had to have done something, (laughs) like... (laughs) Like, you're not, it's probably, yeah, you probably did something crazy Now, this is a big deal in general, but an even bigger deal When you're talking about the completely drug intolerant country of South Korea Korea is wildly strict on drug laws If you're a Korean citizen and you go to the United States Let's say specifically Colorado, California for vacation And weed is legal there You smoke medical marijuana while you're there in the state legally. Not that you're even trying to bring it back to the Korea or that you're going high onto the plane back to Korea. No, it's like you're staying there for a month. You smoke it once. If South Korea somehow finds out, if you post it on your social media or anything, you're going to get charged for drug use in South Korea, even though you did it in California where it is legal. So you didn't break the law, but you broke the law. It's weird. So there was a small scandal from Hannah's drug usage being exposed, but the family put a lid on it. She was given probation and everybody just kind of forgot about it. Now, fast forward to Hannah's life in Korea. She settles in real quick, and because of her status, she's able to rub shoulders with a lot of high-profile people, including Pak Yu-chan. Does that name ring a bell to anyone? So Pak Yu Chun was a former member of the famous Korean boy group TVXQ.
0: Tombangi. <laughs>
1: yes! <laughs> Now this is not a small time time band. You know, Tongwang Shinji made the Guinness World Records twice in their prime. The first one they won for the record at the time for having the largest fan club.
0: They were huge. Oh yeah. Back in, when I was in middle school, the girl that sits uh, on next to me, the, the just
1: say the girl you had a crush on, okay? No, 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 not at
0: all. Mm. Uh, she's my table classmate. She's table my mate. girlfriend.
1: She's no, oh,
0: she she's my tablemate. Okay. Oh my god, I've never seen someone so upset. Cause back in the days, yeah. K-pop was new.
1: Oh yeah. When I was in middle school, mm-hmm. that was
0: like really foreign. Yeah. And she was like hardcore tompong hinki, oh. and his uh her favorite was uh Mickey.
1: That that's Park Yoochun. Ah. Yeah.
0: Ah. Um, I've never like heard so much about Mickey in my life. <laughs> like I'm still traumatized. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're she still was traumatized so... that the girl
1: you liked was obsessed no. with Mickey? <laughs> in 2009, they broke the Guinness World Record for being the most photographed celebrities in the world. Yeah, they beat like NSYNC, Backstreet Street Boys, Michael Jackson at the time. Like they broke a lot of records. Crazy. I mean, they sold 500,000 albums in an era before photo cards and fan signs were a thing. They were huge. Listen, I'm not trying to compare them to any current bands. I'm just saying at the time, it was yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. right? No, they were like yeah, No, here, like OGs. Now, the news of their relationship between Pak yoo and Hannah broke Korean tabloids. They were seen kissing on the street. And sure, yoo Chun fans, I'm sure some of them were toxic. They were upset. They thought that they were going to marry Mickey. You get it. But most people thought the pair made sense. Chun was not was not only a celebrity, but he grew up with... Some sort of wealth, at least in the beginning, okay? Yuchun's dad was a businessman. He even moved his family to the United States briefly so that their kids could get an American education. And in the U.S., the parents split up. So now they're being raised by a single mom who's working all the time. And it was just this really painful time. It kind of ruined Yuchun's entire view of America. It, It shattered his American dream. So he moves back to Korea after school, and he joins a trainee band that was under SM Entertainment, as 동방신기, He worked his ass off They debuted in 2003 Now it was an instant explosive success But they had a really good start Compared to other debuts They were getting booked on TV appearances They won their first music show award With their debut song But after 6 years The group split now, Chen's bandmates filed a lawsuit against SM Entertainment, stating that their 13-year contract was excessive. Which, yeah, I mean, 13 years? Holy cow, that sounds excessive. They also said that the earnings were not fairly distributed amongst the members either. Now, once this lawsuit was filed, and this is at a time where K-pop was not developed to the point that it is now. I mean, I think now we're at a point where we're all rooting for these actual humans versus these massive companies. But then... Back then, I mean, a lot of fans were heartbroken. They always thought that Tongwang Shinki were best friends and like living their happy lives, fulfilling their dreams. But now it just caused this massive divide, not just in the members, but also in the fandom. Listen, Messi is an understatement to how this group split. There were multiple lawsuits involved. A Japanese talent agency even gets involved. There were whispers of another contract. And in the end, Everyone kind of went their separate ways with a little bit of tarnishing on their reputations. Now, Yuchan decides, I'm going to use this chance to get into my other dreams. So he gets into acting, writing songs, and he was received really well. He went on K-dramas. He featured in one of the biggest songs in K-pop at the time called Sorry, Sorry by Super Junior. (laughs)
0: Hmm, Okay. Yeah.
1: So honestly, I think his stardom only grew after the split with the group. Like he was truly thriving until his mandatory military service. So if you're a Korean citizen and a male, you have to go to the army for two years. It's mandatory. Now, there's very rare cases where they will spare you the enlistment, but it's really rare. And it's not because he had to leave for the army that his career took a hit. No, it was the fact that he was accused of sexual assault by many women while he was enlisted in the army. It said that he would go out after training, hit at some bars, an alleged brothels, an allegedly sexually assault woman. Let's call the first woman Miss A. She said that she met Yu Chun at a bar and um, they had just met like an hour ago. They didn't know each other prior to this. He asks her to come to the bathroom with him for whatever reason. And once inside, he locks the door, wouldn't let her out and sexually assaults her. She turns in her underwear and clothes for DNA testing. Then another woman comes out, Miss B. She said that she too was assaulted by him in a club bathroom. Then a third woman, Miss C, she said that they met at a bar around 4 a.m. They decide to go back to Yuchun's house with another group of people. So she felt safe going because it wasn't just them two. And even if it was, that doesn't mean anything. So when they get back to his place, they're all drinking. And he's like, come here, come here, let me show you something. And allegedly, he assaults her in the bathroom of his house. Then another woman comes forward, and she said that they met at a club while she was working. Now, it's a, it's said to be a bit of a gray area club where some sexual favor, some sex work happens, but not all the time. She wasn't engaging in sex work while she was working there. Not that it would change the story. Anyway, they were dancing with each other, and it was just so noisy, so loud. And he keeps telling her, I have something to tell you, but I can't hear you. Come to the bathroom with me. Let's talk. I have something to tell you. She's a little confused, but... Okay, whatever. So she follows him into the bathroom and he puts his hand in her underwear. And she's like, "Whoa, what are you doing? Stop. And he immediately just keeps asking her, what, how much money do you need? And she's embarrassed. And honestly, it pissed her off. Like he's trying to buy her with money. He just kept talking money, this money, that, and he grabs her by the face and allegedly starts making out with her. She was so shocked, pulled away and told him, I I don't want that. I don't like you like that. I just met you. And he kept trying to tell her, but you want it though. Like you like me, right? He then allegedly forcibly kissed her some more, tried to lift up her skirt. She tried to bite, fight him off and begged him by telling him, listen, I'm on my period, please. He said, but I think I need to check if you and I are a good match. And he allegedly assaulted her. The whole time she cried, begging him to stop. And he kept telling her, it's OK, because we're going to date now. You're going to be my girlfriend after this. So you can do this for me just one time, right? Right. A lot of people accused her of making up her story. And she argued, why would I make this up? Like, as a woman, why would you want to do it in the bathroom at an establishment where you work, where people could possibly hear you And you're on your period. Like, I wouldn't even have sex on my period with my boyfriend at home. Like, this is, it's not pleasant. I was so embarrassed. He treated me as something less than human. He knew that I was working there, so I wouldn't be able to report him. No one would believe me anyway. And the bathroom has no CCTV, so I can't sue him. He also probably thought because he's some top pop star, I wouldn't regret doing it with him. But I will never forgive him for looking down on me like that and disregarding me just because I work there. I will never forgive him. When this news broke, of course, rightfully so, there was immediate backlash against Yuchun. Even though he denied all the allegations, I mean, it was very suspicious that there were so many and their stories were very, very similar. Many netizens also dug up some past interviews from Yuchun. He was playing some sort of word association game on like one of these TV shows. And he chose the words bathroom, conversation, And sigh And associated them with the word beautiful He also revealed a drawing on TV Many years ago that he did A little doodle There were two toilets in the drawing Like the main So I mean the guy seemed to have a very creepy preference for toilets It just wasn't the most normal thing That mixed with the allegations There was just a lot of suspicion on him But then out of nowhere One of the women drops their charges So in the eye of the public It starts to cast doubt on all the women's stories for some freaking reason. And by the end of the month, media outlets reported that the police said Pak yoo Chun was not a suspect and was acquitted from investigation. And now the netizens are like, oh, thank God we love him. Yes. He's got like this innocent boy vibe. Like, thank God he's so good in the, like the K-dramas. He's got the innocent main romantic leads. Whew. But then things take another turn. When that news broke, the police came out to say, wait, we never said that. We don't know why the media is reporting that. We've talked to Yu-Chan five times already and we plan on subpoenaing him at least two more times in the future. We have not made any conclusions to these cases yet. And almost right after, the police confirmed the DNA on the underwear submitted by the first accuser belonged to Park Yu-Chan. And, okay, so at this point, we don't know if the sexual assaults have been legally proven but it is proven that while he's enlisted in the army he is going out and having sex with women that's already a bad look you know you're supposed to be dedicated to the army that's how you do your two years of service what are you doing playing around it was also revealed that he was trying to pay the first accuser $80,000 to keep her quiet and it seems like she agreed we don't know if the transaction of the money actually took place or if they had just agreed on the payment account uh, it, it's not clear but it's not looking good So Yuchun retaliates and he decides to sue the accusers for defamation and blackmail. Now, in one specific case, the courts ruled in favor of him. They felt that one of the accusers was blackmailing Yoochun for money. She was sentenced to two years in prison along with two of her friends. But then the next accuser was found not guilty of alleged false accusations and defamation. So she countersued Pak Yoochun afterwards for damages. And the court ordered him to pay about $80,000. So the vibe that people are getting is one of them was blackmailing him, but it seems that the others were not. So does that mean there's truth to it? It's just getting muddier and muddier and murkier. And it's, it's really difficult. It was also revealed that Yuchun was under investigation for bribery to cover up these sexual assault allegations so during all of this, Paku Chan and Hannah meet, kind of in the beginning of the the beginning part of his sex scandals, and they start dating. And it was a welcome distraction for the media, I guess. A lot of people were intrigued by the relationship. A pop star meets the wealthy heiress of Namyang Milk, a household name. It made sense. The two were aesthetically very pretty together. They even intended to get married, but they started pushing the wedding date further and further back. They weren't seen together for a while, and since the sex scandals were raging, people wondered if there were truth to the allegations. If even his own girlfriend, if even his own fiancé is pushing this wedding date back, is something going on? After their alleged breakup, Hannah even made a cryptic Instagram post. She wrote, Although I did some things wrong, you always will be worse than me. You engaged in sex trade, abused animals, engaged in domestic violence, and even ran away after doing something bad with the broker. Now I hear that he discussed with the company and his family about to how to turn the victim into an inflictor by sca- slander. Same. So it's like a really aggressive subtweet. She didn't yeah. tag him or add him, but everybody's instant thought was, oh my God, is she talking about Pakuchan? Later, she deleted it. And I think because the tides kept changing from the sex scandals and remember how he beat the first case of slander and defamation, Yu Chen wasn't necessarily branded full-on guilty yet. It seemed like a lot of people were just kind of confused at what was going on. Then Burning Sun happens. Okay, let's get into the Burning Sun. This is a monster of a situation in and of itself, but somehow Hannah is all tied up in here too. The Burning Sun sex crime scandal. In 2018, a new club opened up in Gangnam called The Burning Sun. Now, just to add some context, Gangnam is like the Beverly Hills, the Upper East Side of Seoul. It was going to be the next IT club. Since Sungri, I always can never say his name, even as a Korean, why is it so hard? From Big Bang was going to be an investor in it. He was going to be the face of the club, a huge influence on the business. It just made sense because he was often called the Great Gatsby of Korea.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: he was known to throw lavish wild parties that really? were just a blast to go to. Like he knew how to throw an opulent, over extravagant yeah, just It's
0: crazy. Like just from the look of it, I would never knew me this.
1: Too. So now in 2018, the Burning Sun makes the news again because of an assault that happened during club hours. A customer, Mr. Kim, was seen on CCTV being beat up outside the club. Like, I think he had um, either cracked or broken ribs. His face was all bloody and torn up. And all for what? Well, Mr. Kim got interviewed by these media outlets. And he says, this is what happened. I saw a woman at the club, a stranger, not even someone I came with, you know, just a regular patron. She was being sexually harassed and I wasn't going to put up with it. So I tried to help her and I stepped in and I said, hey, hey, like stand behind me. I'll deal with this guy. Like, what are you saying to her? Why are you doing that? Now the staff saw this happen. And instead of taking out the sexual harasser, they grabbed Mr. Kim out of the club and beat him like they jumped him. You see a bunch of staff members just literally kicking the shit out of his face outside the club. And it really begs the freaking question, why would the club director and staff beat Mr. Kim up for saving a patron of theirs, Mm -hmm. for saving a potential sexual assault victim? So Sungri posted on Instagram since everybody was looking at him for answers because he was such a public figure of this club and he wasn't there that night. He just overall tries to distance himself from the club. And it seems like a very calculated move because more and more people started coming forward. Mr. Kim's assault unlocked a wave of scandals. It said that Burning Sun prided itself on catering to the whims and wishes of all the rich men that stepped foot in the door. You want a bottle of some highly coveted wine that is nowhere to be found at any other club? We'll jump through hoops to get it for you. You want us to stay open an extra hour for you? You got it. You want us to spike that girl's drink over there and roofie her because she doesn't want to have sex with you while she's conscious? But maybe if she's unconscious and we escort her to the VIP room, we leave you to be and do whatever you want. Is that what you want? Got it. We're on it. A former employee said that a rich client would come in and demand two unconscious women, and he would straight up ask the employees verbatim, bring me zombies. And if the clients wanted not unconscious women, or maybe they wanted girls, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. The club would even recruit underage girls and pay them tens of thousands of dollars to have sex with elite customers that were probably in their 60s. It's said by former employees that a lot of the times the sexual assaults were incredibly violent. These underage girls are just random club goers that were drugged unconscious. They would be taken to a nearby hotel where they were raped while being filmed. Their abuse was filmed. But then the sex scandals got even deeper. Text messages came out to expose Big Bang's Seungri. He had been looking to recruit girls for sex. He wanted to sell the girls to potential foreign investors. Yeah, they were pimping out women so they could, what, get funding for another stupid bar? Like, it's so dumb. More messages exposed Sung talking to other well-known K-pop singers from bands like CN Blue, FT Island. Oh my God. And they were sharing videos of unconscious women. One of the guys, Jung, he shared videos of him assaulting 10 different women. And even the way they talked about women was so disgusting. One of the guys in the group chat said, I gave her sleeping pills and dinner. Another guy responded, Oh, so you raped her? LOL. Messages were also released, referring to these women as if they were just menu items. Singli allegedly wrote, Girl number one isn't very talkative, but she's kind and likes money. Also, she's a girl that's not very charming when drunk, but her visuals are great. Girl number three, her visuals are good, so is her personality. When she's a little tipsy, she's fun and nice, but the problem with her is that she gets super drunk and she's just a wreck. The customer responds, so let's eliminate girl number one from the selection and let's do two, four, and five. And let's see if we can get one more. We need more girls like number three. Singly responds, number five is also good. These are humans that they're talking about, not fucking Big Macs. Like, what are you... Sometimes the staff would message VIP customers pictures of unconscious women in VIP rooms and say things like, come and take a bite. Come and taste her. As if she's a plate of cookies. The public was furious they wanted answers they wanted justice the police were already involved um they were investigating the burning sun for drug activity as well at this point they did find drugs they found ecstasy ketamine roofies like it was bad and in hopes of getting the attention off of him sung announced his leave from the entertainment industry but that's not even all it was revealed that police officers were bribed and many of them had even taken part in chat rooms So it's just another incident where the rich and powerful really get away with anything. And yeah, there were a lot of them facing jail time. Police eventually arrested 13 people. Many of them were K-pop stars. 53 people were booked on drug charges and there were also tax evasion charges. But who are their clients and why weren't they arrested? That's the real question. Could it be the same clients that were on Tang Jaeyun's list? Remember from the main episode? She took her own life. She said that her agency made her have sex like, yes, with a yes. hundred different clients. Some of them are the most powerful business moguls, politicians, money movers in the whole country. The ones that were never investigated, could they be the same ones? So because of that anger, there were protests all around Korea with women holding up signs that said, my life is not your pornography. And I know it sounds a little random, right? But it's not. So, I've talked about this briefly before, and I forget if it was on the podcast or a YouTube video, but this was especially painful for women in Korea because molka is a huge thing in Korea. It's actually even a huge genre of porn in Korea. Molka means mole camera. Mole camera means secret camera. Secret videos are such a big problem in Korea to the point where, you know, when you silence your phone in America and you take a picture, you don't get that shutter sound. If you buy a phone in Korea, doesn't matter what brand, you can never turn off the shutter sound. So even if you silence your phone, you take a picture, it's going to make a loud shutter. People hide video cameras disguised as outlets on door hinges and women's bathrooms. There was recently a huge scandal of, I think like over a hundred different motel rooms were being live streamed onto a platform in South Korea where members would pay $45 a month to watch women shower completely unaware that this motel room had a camera. They were being hundreds, if not thousands of men were watching them in real time. So you're like, okay, well, how does this have anything to do with Hannah? Well, Hannah was a well-known big customer of Burning Sun. In fact, the police were putting two and two together, and they believe the alleged drug dealer for the Burning Sun was also her drug dealer. The government was cracking down on the Burning Sun. They also even reopened Tang Zion's case because of the time of the Burning Sun. They're like, we do want to look into all of this corruption. We do want to look at all of this. I think that the police were more inclined to look into Hannah because she was a Chebar daughter. Kind of make an example out of her, I guess. So they wanted to get samples of Hannah's hair for drug analysis. Now, oddly enough, after they obtained the warrant, I don't know if Hannah found out through her connections, but she cryptically posts on social media about how she's going to chop off all her hair. She's like, can't wait to get a bob. And then she quickly takes down the video. She's constantly refusing to cooperate with the police, just making it very difficult for them to continue the investigation. And then NBC somehow obtains a video of Hannah looking dazed, waving her arms around, saying nonsense. The person who gave the video to NBC told them, listen, she wasn't drinking. She was on drugs. I saw her inject herself with meth several times at hotels, at her friend's house. She does drugs all the time. NBC starts doing some digging and they come out to say Hannah was probably getting favorable treatment because she was Nam Young's granddaughter. She's a chaybal girl. They dug up that previously a friend of Hannah's was was sentenced to two years and six months for meth usage. Now, it was revealed to the police that Hannah was the one that supplied her with the drugs and that they had done drugs together in the past. So that means Hannah should be arrested, right? (laughs) Because she already had drug charges. She was on probation because she was deported from the U.S., Well, the prosecution, they didn't even care. They just acquitted her. They were like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the authorities, they're like, okay, well, typically if you get caught twice with drugs, no matter who you are or where you are for any illegal drug, your punishment typically is going to be a little bit more severe, but not Hannah. In fact, Hannah had a conversation with a friend that was also recorded and given to NBC. You can hear Hannah laughing and saying, oh, the chief prosecutor at the central district's office. Yeah, my uncle and my dad, they know him. My uncle and my dad, they know everyone, including the police chief. Like, are you kidding? They're totally best friends. Essentially bragging about how she won't get in trouble because her family is well-connected and they have power. So once NBC releases all of this, the public went nuts. I mean, are you kidding? First of all, drugs are illegal. Is she really above the law because her grandpa was the founder of a milk company? Like, is this what our country has come to? It got so bad that Namyang Milk released a statement. They said, listen, (laughs) we're not even connected to her. The CEO is her freaking uncle. She's got like five different uncles. He's just one of them. Move on to the next scandal, please. Have you seen the girls at Korean Air? They're fucking crazy. They didn't say that, but pretty much they said that. They just brushed it off. They're like, she has no position here. The CEO is just her uncle. I mean, not even her dad. And the public was not having it. So under the pressure from the public, the police had no choice but to take Hannah in. So April nine of 2019, they take her in and test her for drugs. The tests come back positive. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? But her excuse to taking drugs was really shocking for the entire nation. Hannah confessed that the reason she took drugs was because Pak Yoo-chan, her ex-boyfriend... And she told the police this while crying hysterically. Honestly, everyone who heard her story said that she sounded super sincere. She said, I started doing drugs in 2015, but I quit. And then in 2018, I took drugs again because my ex-boyfriend, who happens to be a star, she doesn't name him by name, but she said, who happens to be a star, wanted me to. He pressured me to. Now, there's a lot of lies in this because she deadass forgot that she was deported from the U.S. in 2011 for doing drugs. So how did you start doing drugs for the first time in 2015? I mean, it's just weird, right? She also didn't have to mention him by name. Everybody knew that she was talking about Pak Chan. She continues to say, My ex-boyfriend injected drugs into my arm after I fell asleep, and I knew nothing about it. I don't know why he would inject me with meth while I'm asleep. What? This was confusing because they broke up in 2017, and now it's 2019. But maybe they're kind of talking. I don't know. Maybe they're seeing each other, rekindling their love. So netizens are freaking out. Chun decides to hold an urgent emergency press conference. He comes out wearing a suit, looking like the picture of innocence. And he tells the world, at the beginning of last year, I decided to break up with Hannah. However, I was coerced by her out of my sense of responsibility, and I will apologize for that. I have never taken drugs, let alone persuaded others to take them. To prove my innocence, I am willing to cooperate with the investigation of the police from today onwards. Honestly, he was pretty convincing. He is an actor after all. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive You can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go and with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales events on Camrys, Corollas, and more. When you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Our apartment lease in New York City is almost up, which means it's time for that hunt for the perfect apartment again. And I'm sure everyone can agree to this, but when your apartment takes off all of the boxes, you feel so much happier being home. You look forward to going home. But it is hard. It is hard finding the perfect place, especially in a place like New York. For us, we need to have an in-unit washer and dryer. That is like a non-negotiable. We need to have hardwood floors because of my allergies. And we love any unit facing southwest. That is golden hour prime time. And since we're not in New York City right now, we've been using Apartments.com to help us find our new home. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all of your specific unique boxes. I love that there's a ton of 3D virtual tours which have come in honestly so handy for us because we're constantly traveling these days. It saves us so much time and money and it's really helpful for if you're moving to a new city. Maybe you're moving to the next town over, saves you so much time. My favorite feature though is the amenity filters. So you can make sure your possible future home has all of the amenities you need. Like I said, in-unit washer and dryer, but you can even search for units with a balcony so you can enjoy a nice sunrise with your coffee. And once you find a new place that you like, you can even favorite them so they're all neatly organized. I get so excited to apartment hunt every night with my fiance. So visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. In the last part, I don't know if he genuinely thought the police would hear that and be like, you know what? Now that you said you'll cooperate, we don't even need your cooperation. Because right after his press conference, the police tried to get a, a hair sample to test him for drugs. And he immediately starts dyeing his hair five million different colors and he shaved all of his body hair off
0: no freaking way yeah
1: like immediately after he was a hairless little dolphin oh, no just concealing it around
0: oh my god
1: which is like i don't know if that's willing to cooperate with the investigation of the police you know oh my god. Uh so after 19 days of frustrating hey stop shaving your leg hair you dude with a fork right the police test him they found drug residue in his hair Now, Yuchun's lawyer accepts that the drugs were found in Yuchun's system, but he denied that he took it willingly. So the lawyer said, we are actually looking into that right now of how the meth got into his system.
0: So he fell asleep? He fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And then she uh, She injected... Exactly.
1: Now, a lot of people, police, fans, netizens, they were confused. What do you mean? So say, Hannah is saying that you drugged her. And now you're saying you would never because you never did drugs, but then drugs were found in your system. And now you're saying you don't know how it got in your system. I just It's fascinating. So soon after that, Park Yu-chun was dropped from his agency. His contract was canceled. Essentially, he was forced into retirement. And with that, Park Yu-chun was also arrested, sentenced to 10 months in prison and fined $1,100.
0: Ooh, $1,100. I know. Wow, big fine.
1: He's going to go bankrupt. Now, Hannah was also sentenced to one year in prison, but I think she only served like three months. (laughs) She was required to take a 40-hour drug therapy course. So now that it's confirmed that Yuchen had taken drugs, that coupled with all of his former sex scandals, I mean, genuinely at some point, people did see Hannah as a victim of sorts. Maybe she was drugged. When she was released from prison, she was dressed like the picture of innocence. She had like this smart business casual. She, her hair was a short bob, neatly straightened. She showed a ton of remorse with reporters. She even wrote a statement promising to change and get better and to, to take time to reflect deeply on her actions and how they hurt those around her. Namyang released their own statement and it went something like, this is the Namyang Dairy Products Chairman Hong Cheek." I bow my head to sincerely apologize for the fact that my niece recently caused trouble with her immature actions. Even if she is a relative, there is a limit on my involvement with her parents and my limit on watching over her. But I regret that I wasn't able to correct her deviations. It's ultimately my fault that I wasn't able to look after my family. Hannah is only a relative. She has no relationship with the business or any matters of Namyang. Despite this, I feel terrible for causing harm to the executives, staff members, franchisee stores, and consumers who purchase our products. Regardless of my embarrassment, I give the citizens and Namyang my sincerest apology. I will deeply reflect and humbly fulfill all my social responsibilities. I am sorry. We can only hope that she receive a fair and severe punishment and hope the truth be revealed and then no one will be wronged. It sounds like they cut her off, right?
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: No, after being released from prison, she went straight back home to living with executives at Namyang or shareholders, aka her mommy, and just went back to flaunting her wealthy life on social media. As if nothing had happened. Then in 2020, she uploaded a long post on social media talking about, Looking at my sick dad right now makes me strive to live my life with integrity. Her resolution to be a better person lasted all of two months because she was right back under investigation for drug use. So here's what happened. Hannah was dating a new guy. Let's call him O. So now Hannah and O were doing drugs together. And somehow O ends up at the police station. Now, there are mixed reports. Some say he walked in. Some say he was getting a parking ticket by a police officer and then just, like, started confessing some things to him. The guy is heavily under the influence. Like, he's having literal hallucinations when he gets to the police station. He's under, he's, he, he did drugs. He's so freaked out that he just confesses. He's like, Ugh. I'm on drugs. You know, my, my girlfriend, Hannah, listen, I know, I know it seems like she's probably on drugs too because I'm on drugs, but no, like you have to believe me. She's not on drugs. The police are like, we're going to go find out if she's on drugs because you're being so weird. Then he goes on to confess. If you find drugs in her system, it's because I injected her with drugs after she fell asleep.
0: What? Yeah.
1: It's like the weirdest thing.
0: The same story as
1: not even a year later. What? He's like, she has no idea. She has drugs in her system. I drugged her yeah, just a year ago, Hannah had that story. Honestly, Korean citizens were offended. Does she think that we're so dumb that we have like goldfish brains that we're going to believe that? What? Or does she really just not care and think that her mommy and uncle are going to take care of the situation? The police continue questioning the boyfriend. Oh, they're like, listen, you're a first time offender. How could you be so skilled at injecting someone with drugs? Like you injected it into the vein of her arm, like methamphetamine? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, for sure. The police had no choice but to hand over the case to the prosecutors. And O was going on trial. Now, at the time, Hannah seemed to be safe from prison. For now, the police were going to do a thorough investigation this time. And now, this is where the Chebar life goes from privileged and arrogant to terrifying. While being investigated and waiting trial, Hannah and O get legally married. And it's done very secretly. There's no huge million dollar wedding, no Instagram picture, no massive lavish party, nothing really. I mean, that's strange. It just literally goes against Hannah's character. But then December 2020, the couple were at a friend's house and they were getting drunk. Hannah decides, you know what? I'm richer than everybody here, but I'm going to steal my friend's stuff. Yeah, she steals her friend's purses, perfume, and a bunch of cosmetics what? and just left while everybody's passed out. So, of course, the next day, the friend wakes up and is like, I've been robbed. (laughs) I need to check the CCTV. Guess who she sees hauling away her stuff? Her friend Hannah.
0: That's dumb.
1: Exactly. So I, I don't know if Hannah is just a kleptomaniac and she likes to steal her friend's things, thinking she won't get cut. Maybe she doesn't care. She does it for the thrill. Makes sense. I mean, she grew up such a privileged life. Or maybe she was cut off from cash from her parents. So she's like, I need to buy some things to buy some drugs. But God forbid I sell my own things, you know. So like any friend, this this girl was pissed. But she decides to post the video of Hannah stealing on social media. And in that post, she even claims that Hannah did drugs that night at her house. Oh my which gosh. is almost like slapping Hannah, but also slapping herself in the face because now she too is under investigation by the uh, police.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the police see this. Like, she's like, I don't care about burning myself as long as I take her down. Police see this immediately. Hannah O and the friend are being investigated even harder. And in response to the pressure of this investigation, Hannah posts the very next day pictures of her bleeding on social media. The blood is coming from her wrist and it looks like she cut herself in a suicide attempt. She posts screenshots of her and her husband, Oh, Hannah had texted him saying, please don't betray me again. I don't want to do this because I don't want to be childish. I'll forgive you for anything, but please return the car that you stole from me. So it kind of makes it seem like, oh, is this really bad person. She's been pushed to the brink of suicide. She's like a victim in all of this. Maybe he was injecting her with drugs, making her lose her mind. Mm. Like that's kind of the perception she's trying to give off. Yeah. It was a very bizarre post. Hannah's other friend also posted on social media saying, I'm Hannah's friend. She tried to commit suicide and is now in the ER. She kept mentioning O in her suicide note. She said, please don't leave any bad comments, which is almost the same as killing her.
0: What?
1: So please don't kill her. Please save her. And a picture of Hannah was posted in the ER. I mean, it's terrifying and confusing. Why would she take her own life? What is this cryptic message? What is the suicide note? Well, the suicide note said to her husband, O, even if I'm dead, you should still miss me. Don't see other women if I'm dead. Let's be together again. Don't cheat anymore. Just look at me. I love you. Hannah was released from the hospital and the police wanted to talk to her. But when they get to her mom's house, her mom's like, "Oh my. I have no idea where my daughter is. Wish you could talk to her, but I guess you can't. Whoops. Well, I'll let you know if I see her around." So now the police they have no choice but to question the husband. Oh, Again. Now, I'm not sure what changed for O. Maybe he realized Hannah's true colors with this bizarre series of Instagram posts. Maybe he knew that she only saw people in her life as pawns to push the blame to. Maybe he was terrified of being arrested again. I don't know. But he went to the police station and he confessed that he and Hannah did drugs. And she asked him to lie about it. He said, Hannah told me that she was on probation and would be imprisoned if she was arrested again. She asked me that I say that I injected meth into her secretly. And that when I get out of prison, since I'm a first-time offender, it'll be a short time and we'll live together again and be happy.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So he was forced to do this.
1: Now, this is the part that gets shady. Two days after his new confession, he jumps off a building and dies. A suicide note was found and it said, I'm sorry for forcing Hannah to take drugs. Now, this is so confusing. What? Uh, Yeah, exactly. So, uh, there's so many different theories of what could have happened, right? He so it's could like he
0: flip flopped three times.
1: Exactly. Why would he do that?
0: That makes no sense.
1: And usually people when they, they take their lives in a situation like this, their last thing is not protecting others, but is wanting the truth out there. So I'm this inclined to believe truth. that this is not the truth, you know? So he could have taken his life from the pressure. Regardless of what he did or didn't do, he was still facing drug charges himself. He was facing allegedly injecting Hannah with drug charges. You know, these are not taken lightly in Korea. I mean, at this point, your entire life is over unless you have rich parents supporting your entire adulthood. Maybe he did take his life. But the suicide note was weird. Why would he want to protect Hannah when it seems like just two days ago he had even talked to one of his friends And the way that he was talking about the whole situation made it seem like he knew that Hannah was the reason for all of his trouble. So there's a few theories. He took his own life and he wrote the letter, either out of love for Hannah or maybe fear. Another theory is that he took his own life from the pressure of the investigation and somebody else who had something to gain from this letter wrote the letter. The third theory is that he didn't write the letter and he also didn't want to die. A lot of people believe the last theory. And to make things wilder, a friend of the husband, O's friend, posted on social media, may the deceased rest in peace. Many people's lives were ruined because of Hannah. She is a murderer as well as her parents who covered up for her. NBC also released a new recording that they obtained. Listen, I don't know how they're getting it, but they are. It was of three people, Hannah, Oh, the husband when he was alive, and a third friend of theirs, Mr. N. They were all giggling and talking about how many drugs they were doing. They talked about it like it was a competition. Oh, you only shot up this much. I did this much. Giggle, giggle. After that was released, Mr. N, the friend in the clip, allegedly he was a member of one of the largest drug organizations in Korea. And again, either by desperation or by force, Mr. N was friends with O, by the way. So, you know, they were close friends. Mr. N jumped from a building, and was taken to the hospital in critical condition.
0: That makes no sense.
1: Exactly. Now, I believe this was Mr. N's first charge as well. And if if everything was going the way it's been going, I mean, these two guys were looking at maybe a couple months in jail, maybe a year max. It's hard to imagine that they would take their lives over that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So and all if, okay. Yeah. So the husband O oh, went to the police and confessed. Yeah. So he knows he's ready to...
1: Yeah, be honest. Be
0: honest and take on the consequences or whatever. Why would... That makes no sense.
1: Well, maybe this provides some insight. All through the drug investigation surrounding Hannah, one one was dead... Another one's in a coma. I mean, it didn't make sense. Later, it was reported that originally Hannah and O promised each other that O would take the blame, right? Like I said, the parents would be happy, and once he got out of prison, they would live happily ever after. But when he went back to the police station and told them the truth, this pissed off Hannah, and she was threatening to divorce him and threatening to accuse him of rape as well.
0: That makes sense.
1: With her family backing her up, allegedly, he took his own life. Honestly, it's even hard to believe that he took his own life at this point because if he was being threatened, I don't really see that as the power of the family just seemed to be unwavering. Now, what's also true is that Hannah's drug scandals were not the only public scandals the company had dealt with. Back in 2009, six employees from Namyang were sued for spreading rumors online about their competitors using animal feed in their baby food products. It was a lie. So they're sued. In 2010, Namyang rolled out their first instant coffee and they were going up against a giant coffee company. So they created this whole fear campaign around sodium cassinate. They said how their instant coffee, unlike competitors, doesn't contain sodium cassinate. Well, the leading coffee provider at the time, Tongsung Foods, they sued them because sodium cassinate isn't even harmful to health, is what they said. And the government ruled in favor. Namyang was fined for false and exaggerated advertising and fear. In 2013, a recording of a conversation between an employee at Namyang and a small dairy distributor was released. So to give you some context, the distributor is essentially Namyang's bitch. Namyang has the power and the distributor has none. The distributor was also an older man in his 50s. Meanwhile, he's talking to a sales rep from Namyang in his 30s. The distributor, he was stressed. He was just saying, hey, you guys are making me buy a lot more product than I need, more than I can sell. So I end up trashing a lot of it and it's hurting my bottom line. I need to put food on the table. I, I, like this is a mom and pop business. And the sales associate is like, I don't give a fuck what you do with the product. You're going to buy all that product or you're going to lose this deal. He's just hurling insults, cursing the old man out, saying things like, do you want to die? Just take the goods and fucking throw them away then. Fuck off, I don't care. No. I know it doesn't sound that bad compared to everything that we've talked about today. But if you hear his voice, it's like laced with disrespect and hate. It's sickening, honestly. And I think as a Korean, um, so Korean culture, there's this huge thing of respecting elders. Mm-hmm. Not only that, this is just a straight power trip, even if they were the same age. But on top of that, this older man is relying on this deal to make a living. He's not even making much money. And this big, powerful company is treating him like utter trash. It was just so disgusting to hear. And it was dubbed the Cursed Milk Incident. A huge boycott and protest took place over Namyang products. It was made worse with the Namyang's initial reaction, which was, what? Those are all lies. The recording is fake. That never happened. In fact, we're actually going to sue the distributor. So now the public is like, okay, so not only do you cuss out the underdog, you canceled his contract and now you're going to sue him. We hate you even more. So their sales plummeted. And at the same time, their rivals, their competitors that they were sued by constantly, they were rolling out sales for the hell of it. They're like, hey, our milk's on sale for no reason at all. Nobody was buying Namyang. Namyang sales dropped down 50%. That's a lot in a month. I mean, they were plummeting. The FTC got involved and fined them $10 million for their actions. And in order to counteract that in their sales numbers, Namyang had registered a separate trademark for multiple different companies, but one in particular being Daengmidang, which is an ice cream brand. Now, this brand had always been seen as Not a mom and pop brand, but a smaller brand, a smaller brand that focuses on artisan craftsmanship, high quality materials. And it was gaining a lot of popularity, especially since people were trying to avoid Namyang. Ice cream is a huge dairy product. Nobody knew it was Namyang's product till years later, which like I hate when companies do this. Like just if you go online and look at what all of these smaller, quote, smaller brands are owned by, you would be shocked to see that the average American grocery store. I mean, this is a figure that I'm pulling out of my ass, by the way. So much of the shelves are owned by like the same five companies, just different names, different branding. Right. You put out your regular brand, then your organic sector brand, and then another name to make it look like a small business started by like these two old farmers. But it's all owned by like Kraft and Nestle. (laughs) Okay. It's just the way it is, I guess, in life. Now, that's what Namyang was doing, but they were doing it more more Like their goal is to hide it. Exactly. So like, you know, these American companies, they're not going to put Kraft next to Auntie Annie's because Auntie Annie's is owned by Kraft, if you didn't know. Yeah, but they're not going to put it right next to it. But you can easily Google it. It's so easy to find out. So citizens were freaking outraged. Everybody was like, "Oh, buy this one, guys!" Since we're boycotting Namyang, turns out it's a Namyang product. So they just got pulled one over on them, and it's almost disrespectful to the consumer. Like you, you think I'm dumb? So they developed an app, consumers. Okay. Some dude like developed an app where you can simply scan a barcode and see if Namyang made it. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) so they were really mad, okay? No, eventually, the scandal and the boycott died down. Then COVID hits, and Hannah's uncle, the CEO of Namyang (laughs) Dairy Company, he puts out that his yogurt is essentially the cure to COVID. Not smart. Not smart. You just... You just can't go around telling people it's going to cure COVID. It's freaking yogurt. Listen, I love yogurt. I believe in the power of probiotics and yogurt. But at the end of the day, it's freaking yogurt. Like it's not curing anything. I'm sorry. After that press release, the food ministry seized Namyang's six offices, executed search warrants because, listen, you just can't fuck around with COVID. That is beyond any chebar. That's like something else. Now, because of changing times and also how bad COVID was, the CEO was said to be forced to resign. He couldn't just even resign by himself. The uncle said, I will resign from Namyang Steri's CEO position to take responsibility for my actions, and I will not pass on management to my children.
0: Whoa, that's huge. Yeah.
1: And he he knew that nobody would be happy until he said that, like the company was going to go under.
0: I mean, that's true, I guess. If you step down, your son takes over. Yeah, everything like, happens.
1: You are still controlling your son.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, that's not to say they have no power. Um, they still have, the Hong family to this day have a combined stake of 53% in this company, which is one of Korea's top three dairy companies by revenue. But um, I do think that they are trying to sell it. Still doesn't matter because they're going to make money from it. It's not like they're selling it for free. So they're just something else, I tell you. Now, all this to say that the former CEO had bigger things to worry about than his troublemaking niece. And now without the support of her cash cow, Hannah was arrested for drug use. And during the investigation, she just kept saying that she was unconsciously stabbed by a needle. The police felt compelled to ask her, do you feel responsible that the people that did drugs with you, they jumped off buildings <laughs> like they took their own lives in one case and one of them is in the hospital right now? No. No. It's even said by an insider close to the family that Hannah was incredibly calm when she found her husband had taken his life. She even read his suicide note very calmly. Either you knew this was going to happen or you're a heartless person.
0: Or you did it. Exactly. Allegedly.
1: Allegedly don't sue us. Now, it's just, it's frustrating for a lot of people to see Hannah, this girl that was born into wealth, power, influence. She could have anything in this world that she wanted. And instead of that, instead of living a good life, a good, not even like, oh, she needs to, yeah, not even a good life in the sense of you need to be a good person and volunteer and do good with your money, but just like a fucking good life of partying on yachts and just being a normal, rich nepotism baby. Like that's all you needed to do. Nobody would have even been mad at you for doing that because we would have all done that if we were in your position. But instead of that, she destroyed it and she destroyed people Around her along the way So Hannah who was 34 at the time She was sentenced to one year Eight months in prison And fined a whopping $400 fine That'll show the family What? A lot of netizens had problems with this They said she was caught injecting meth three times Violated her probation But she only got a year and a few months Why is it that these criminals always cut the tail When money is involved? Does this mean Pak Chen was her victim too? She'll be out and doing drugs in no time Someone said So the sentence is the same, whether or not you steal a piece of bread worth $2 or commit three separate drug crimes while on probation. And to that, all you can really respond is, that's not true. It's only that way for Hannah. It would not be that way for the rest of us because we are not tibbers. And I don't really think that's a bad thing because they have not proven themselves to be great people yet. And that's the story of Hung Hannah and just the destruction of a life that she led so far.
0: A year and eight months, like that's nothing.
1: Listen, people get more time for weed charges in the United States.
0: And the thing is, I feel like she will be out in a year.
1: Probably less.
0: And then back to the same routine. Yeah,
1: And it's crazy.
0: That is crazy.
1: Obviously, you don't want to be friends with her, but I would be even terrified to be in some degree near her. Like even if a friend of a friend of a friend knew her, I'm like, Mm-mm, no, gotta go. I gotta cut myself off from all these friends Because it seems like she just brings everyone down with her If she's going down, she's bringing down the boat Now, what are your thoughts on this case? Let me know And I will see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode Bye